she doesn't necessarily know how to read social cues a whole lot. No, it's like you know when you say read the room. She doesn't ever. She do is that. flipping the pages. <laughs> <laughs> She's not reading. It. <laughs> she doesn't even glance. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the Ethical Slut. I'm your host Evelyn Mejia. In today's episode, we'll be discussing parentification. My guest and I will be defining what parentification is for those of you who don't know. And we'll also be discussing what parentification can look like and the effects it can have on parentified individuals when they grow up. So my guest today is one of the most influential people in my life whom I love and care for very deeply, my sister Leslie. Anyways, um, so yeah, Leslie works in accounting and she is the oldest out of my siblings, which practically makes her like a mom to me. Um, and not to Max though, because I feel like she, after she was like a mom to me, she kind of just got tired and like threw in the towel and then I had to take over and then be a mom to Max. But I respect it because like, I had three I was, children. I was a three. My parents and you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Bitch, I'm a mother. <laughs> no, don't try. Too much drama. <laughs> yeah. So Leslie and I were actually the parents. Plot twist. We, um, are actually married and we have two children who are both 46 years old mariana and juan and then we have a 14 year old kid it's a big age gap but we did it anyways so she's going to share with us her experiences with parentification and the effects it had on her as she's grown up in her adult relationships so leslie thank you for joining us tell the wonderful people who are listening a little bit about yourself uh okay so my name's leslie my uh well obviously i'm related to evelyn i'm the oldest sister uh well i'm also an immigrant which is so much fun for for me um i graduated from uno back in may of this year so only like four or five months ago or something like that and then i graduated with concentrations marketing and management but i mean i'm not really doing that right now but it's okay you know life is a journey it's fine (laughs) But, yeah, now I'm just living in Omaha with a roommate, and, yeah, I mean, you'll get to know me throughout the podcast and why I am the way that I am. Okay. So. <laughs> She's like, I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you. Listen. Just listen, and you'll fucking find out. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> Anyways, um, we'll get right into this. What do you think of when you hear the word parentification? Uh, Well, the way, just from personal experience, is um, probably just having to do things at a way younger age than you should, especially, like, directly towards your parents. It's like having to teach my parents how to be parents also. Like, hey, don't do this because, like, that's not okay. Why are you doing that? And then also just trying to control their own behaviors so that it doesn't affect you as much. But, yeah. I think we had similar experiences with parentification, but also very different from what I just, what you said. Because, like, with me, parentification, um, I think of it like that, too, of, like, where you have to do things for your parents at a way younger age that, like, would you you would not have to do it if you like as a child that you shouldn't do as a child but it's also like you know things that you shouldn't know as a child um and we'll get into it but i just i have this big thing that people like parents should never tell should never talk to their kids about money 
whether it's good or bad. Like, they should never. Or because, marriage problems. Yes, because why am I worried about the water turning off? Like, f- fucking lie to me and say the water company fucked up, but then they're going to fix it. Like, make up a lie to where I don't know. That it's like, spare your kids' feelings for once. Yeah. So, anyways, um, Leslie and I had the same parents. I have to preface this that Leslie and I do have the same parents um, as each other and as our younger brother but we say my mom a lot so if you hear us say my mom or my dad it's the same person we're talking about the same person the only person that says mom or like yeah mom said this dad said that is Is our younger younger brother but i always say my mom we're just possessive (laughs) okay (laughs) no and people that's my mom the reason i say that i preface that because i think it's like we have different parents yes like whenever we talk and like someone meets like either me one of her friends meets me or one of my friends meets her and will say my mom they're like oh like you guys have different moms we're like no no it's the same one it's just my mom what do you mean that's my mom it's like that's my mother so anyways yeah um yeah i think that parentification can be definitely having to do things at a younger age but also like just the things that you shouldn't fucking know at such a young age um so Parentification, that's kind of how we see it. But according to a very lovely website called Eggs Shell Therapy, parentification occurs when the roles between a child and a parent are reversed. You know you are parentified if as a child you have you have to step up as the caretaker, mediator, or protector of the family. What would you say you were? The caretaker, mediator, or protector of the family? I don't know. Probably both the caretaker and the mediator i was gonna say them definitely the mediator definitely not protector i don't see myself as that role mm-hmm. no but i definitely do think that you were like definitely the mediator yeah where it was like i definitely well i mean say like if my parents fought or something it's like i wasn't the one like getting in the way of it but i don't know yeah but caretaking literally like in the literal sense was taking care of you and max yeah or like even like mediator of like i don't I don't know, but I don't know how to describe that, but you were definitely a mediator. And I can't give, like, a specific example, but... I just think, okay, we'll get into it, but I just think that, Leslie, we have... We went through the same experiences, but we had different experiences, if it makes sense, through, like, the one experience... I'll say how Evelyn's a protector, though. What? In a sense. Why? (laughs) Remember when I would get bullied as a kid? Oh, yeah, that's definitely me. I would be, like, five, and Evelyn's, like, two... And she would be the one defending me because I would start crying. Because <laughs> I'm the sensitive one. Or you know what? I'm going to give a very specific example that is so funny. Okay. But it was when um, we lived in this house when I was like five. And there was... It's an apartment, right? Yeah, it was an apartment. And we had rats. And me at five, I was climbing up in a chair, running away from them. And Evelyn was trying to fight them for some reason. <laughs> I actually, I th- that's not the one I thought you were going to talk about. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> not that I was trying to fight that. Yeah, we get, I think we like, it's such a vivid memory, but I was like five and I was like standing up in a chair because we saw like a rat when we came home from like grocery shopping or something and all of a sudden Ellen just starts like chasing me or something. <laughs> okay. She, so she's like in a way my protector. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely a protector in like the sense of, I don't know, just like the family overall, but definitely more so like my siblings because my parents i'm also like be so fucking for real like you're 46 like i don't have to be doing this for you but i feel like it's always going to be the same thing with like personality ways evelyn's also just more confrontational than i am 
Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah, that is the definition of parentification. It occurs when the roles between a child and a parent are reversed. You know, you were parentified if you, if as a child you had to step up as a caretaker, mediator, or protector of a family. Parentification is a form of mental abuse and boundary violation, which, like we said, it's like you either have to do shit or you know shit that you shouldn't know. And I think that that's a boundary violation. So what are some of your personal experiences with parentification that might let listeners get a better understanding of what parentification can look like? Because it's parentification, in a sense, is what we just read, but it can look different for different people. So what did that look like for you? Well, I mean, I want to start off with an example just because it kind of makes it easier to talk about. But, for example, my mom, um, with her, it was always like she very much behaved like a child, especially during times where, like, um, she didn't get what she wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, if she didn't get it her way. So, like, for example, if she wanted something and my sister and I were like, no, like, not that or i don't even know like I don't, we can't like i have like, no we can't like we have something to do or something like if we would deny her something mm-hmm. instead of you know being like a rational parent and being like oh, okay i understand her favorite thing to do would be to give us the silent treatment and then us as the children would have to turn around and basically be like no mom please don't do that like i'll like, do it i'll do it i'll now. do it i'll do yeah. it fine like i'll do it and then she'd be like no don't do it like you said you didn't want to do it, so don't do it. I don't need your help anymore. I don't need your help anymore. But then she would still make you feel guilty yes, for not she doing would it. Us. She still does it. She, she still, still does. does it. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying that I want to do that to her, but it's like, it would make more. It sense. would make sense for me as the kid to do mm-hmm. that to her. Why is she doing that to me? To give your parent the silent treatment as the child. As a yeah. And so when you have the parent doing that to you, as to a child, you as the child, it's like. I'm literally a child. I don't know how to like fix this because mm-hmm. I'm a freaking I'm a fucking kid. Yeah, and I think why like, would I know how to um, fix it? God, my Twitter is literally full of like just shit like this about what we're talking about. But I saw this tweet a couple weeks ago where it said like a lot of like what people don't realize is that a lot of adults are actually children in adult bodies. Mariana and Juan Carlos. Yeah, and then it makes me think of us two of like. I always feel like I'm so good at reading people's energy, like reading a room. And that's because we grew up having to, like, read our parents' emotions and, like, almost, like, tiptoe around that to not incite different emotions that would then make us feel like shit. Yeah, because if we said anything, so, like, especially with my dad mostly, like, if I said how I was feeling, he would completely explode instead of, like, as a normal parent, I feel like you would just, like, listen to your kid and then talk to them and try to, like, understand understand where they're coming from and rationalize rationalize it but instead he would like explode and just yell at us and tell us why we were wrong it's like you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong yeah. i'm right i'm the adult i'm the parent i'm right i'm right i'm right and instead of like listening to her child then he would kind of just belittle us yeah like a whole ass bully basically basically <laughs> um that's a really good example of that i think for mine it it was just, I don't know, because we're also children of immigrants. So our parentification, also a big chunk of it came from the fact that, like, our parents immigrated here when they were, like, what, 19, 20? They got, oh, my God, my voice just cracked. They got married at 19, and I think they immigrated here when they were around that age, 19, 20. Like, they immigrated to the U.S. three months later, from what I know. And so they didn't know English. And by the time that they had my sister and I, we were kind of, like, the easiest form for them to kind of 
get around, if that makes sense. To make their way through society. Basically. Yes, to make their way through like American society. Like we were literally that was that was like our per- like a role. That I was, was not gonna job. say that was our purpose, but that was our role kind of. I don't and know. It kinda it sucked. Yeah. Um my example of parentification, one example of how it looked like for me was I was twelve and I was at this insurance company with my dad and he was not getting his way. But he didn't know how to tell the man that he wasn't he didn't know how to like, tell the man that he wasn't getting his way because so to, there was a barrier for language context barrier. my dad is a very confrontational person when it comes to that type of stuff but since he can't completely do it 100 percent on his own in american society we can have to do it for him yes and we're not very confrontational so it's very hard well and it's not even like about confrontation of like i don't know like my dad i don't even know if i would my dad's like the bad side of confrontation because like yeah. i don't even like the word confrontation i like to look at it of like constructive conflict of like there's an issue here that we have to work through. Let's, like, find a compromise or whatnot. But anyways, I'm at this um, insurance company with my dad when I'm, like, 12, and my dad's not getting his way, and he turns to me. And mind you, like, the man heard him say this. Because, <laughs> like, there's not, like, there, there is a Spanish equivalent to it, which would be, like, chinga tu madre or some shit like that. Probably. But he didn't say it. He just said, will you tell that man I said fuck you? <laughs> And mind you, we're sitting in front of this man. 12-year-old Evelyn. I just looked at him like, you know that Nikki song where she's like, just blank stare. Like, crickets. I just looked at him. He said, have a good day. No, and I literally said, I said something nice to him. I said, I said something nice to the man. I don't know what I said. But I remember when my dad said that, I was like, just blank. But then I said... I can't say that to him. He's like, no, tell him I said fuck you. <laughs> and mind you, like, everybody knows what fuck you means. Like, the guy spoke English. So he'd be like, what he said was, dile que, dile que, que, que dije fuck you. <laughs> For real. Which is like, the man obviously picked up fuck you from the what he was saying. <laughs> Maybe not everything else because he was speaking in Spanish. But he didn't say fuck you in Spanish. Like, he said fuck you. But it's like normal parents would t- tell that to their kid. No. Like, no one, like, no one says that to their kid. I know damn well that if I ever have a kid, I'm not going to be like, can you tell them that I said fuck you? <laughs> like, that's so not normal. And like, but it was I, normal for us. Because, like, because there was a language barrier. But, like, so uh, for, that's why we're saying is that a lot of our parentification had to do with the fact that there was a language barrier. And back then, I'm so glad now. I, I live in, like, a college town, um, which is the capital of the state that I am from, that I live in. And they have tons of resources for immigrants, but back when we were growing up, there was, like, very little of that for our parents. And so it was kind of difficult to be like, why don't you just learn English? Because it wasn't as easy as it is today. Um, so that was my example of that. What, what other ways would you say that you were parentified? Well, for one, having to take care of my siblings... At, like, a younger age, it's, like, I probably shouldn't have to do that. It's, like, why am I being, like, the parent in this situation mm-hmm. of taking care of my of my siblings? It's, like, shouldn't that be my parents' job? It's, like, obviously they had work, but it's, like, shouldn't they be looking for an adult to do that? Yeah. So being treated sort of as, like, another adult figure in the house when it's, like, bro, I'm 12. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> um, bro. Um... 
I still don't want to take a shower. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> Shut That's up. Max. That's Max. Nasty. No, I'm kidding. No, but it's like, why the fuck am I taking care of uh, another, like two other children? But then also, I think it's just like, I don't know. I'm like, they basically kind of made me grow up really fast. Yeah. Where it's like, I always had to play the adult for some reason. It's like, I shouldn't be doing that. And then, I mean, this also just, like you said earlier, you were never, like, my any of my parents' favorite. Yeah. Kind of. And it's my mom. And I hated this growing up. Because you were always like, oh, well, you're closer to my mom. And I'm like, trust me, it is not as good as it seems. Oh, yeah. That girl has a lot of trauma that she needs to dump on someone else that isn't me. No, which now that I see it, <laughs> I, I'm honestly glad that I have been the black sheep of the family. Like, the one that neither parents really, like, fucked with heavily or at yeah. all. Um, Because... I get around my mom, and, like, yesterday, she surprised me. Like, my parents came to where I live because my brother had a band competition there. And we were in the car. My mom's just going off to me about her shit. And I'm like, girl, I'm trying to listen to Megan Thee Stallion. Can you shut the fuck up so fucking quick? <laughs> my mom, please She's playing anxiety friend. right now, okay? Bad bitches have bad days, too. I know you relate to that, so shut the fuck up and listen. It's like, mom, go find a friend your age, please. No, and that's my mom. I, I think a lot of, like, people with, like, parents with, I don't know, maybe old-fashioned ways of thinking is that they'll always be like friends are not fucking important family oh, no, you're gonna have them forever so like that and that's why i just homegirl cannot make friends no because she she's also friends. a little too blunt she oh yeah um that's her other her other flaw because she was also like that with us she doesn't necessarily know how to read social cues a whole lot no it's like you know when you say read the room she doesn't ever she is that. flipping the pages <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't even glance. <laughs> I fucking hate you. I was talking to about this with maybe you or like a friend I've been talking to about the whole thing with parentification and what we'll get into later about how it affects your adult relationships, whether that be work, friendships, romantic relationships. Um, we, I had been. Something happened this week in my personal life, and it made me think about a lot of things, but also, and I'll get into that a little bit later, of, like, what we're going to talk about, about how parentification has affected us in our, you know, adult lives now. But it made me think of, like, when it comes down to everything, I always think about how I was parentified as a child and what that had to do with it and how, from a very young age, like, me always wanting to make money at such a young age where I should have literally just been like fucking watching Sweet Life of Zack and Cody nonstop instead of like having to go make money or whatever. Um, it like, that shit was encouraged. Like it was glamorized. And so in turn, like, especially like where I will always say like I was the black sheep of the family, me being so like money driven and like work, like me having such a like, good work ethic, I guess, was always, that was, like, the one thing that, like, my parents actually liked about me, that I feel like of, like, oh, like, you're such a hard worker, this and that, and so in turn, now I'm 20 years old trying to figure out what restorative self-care looks like, because I've always been, like, so focused on, like, my career, and I've gotten to a point where I'm in a really good spot, but, um, I was talking about this with a couple friends of, like, I think sometimes with, like, 
success, people view it as like what their parents want it to mean or what society means of like your career is good or your money's good. But it's like to me, success means to me personally, success means have I loved, have I allowed myself to be loved? And in that way, I don't think I'm successful. But that's what I'm saying. Like I would have not figured that out had I not gone through these experiences of like being parentified. I think I would have been stuck in this way of like success is all about like career and whatnot. And so I think that's a good segue into um, our next question in regards to parentification. Like how do you think that being parentified affected you growing up and has affected your adult relationships now? Like whether that be friendships, work relationships, romantic relationships. And I know that you get those a little bit messed up because you love having work crushes, but like when I just mean work relationships as in like authority figures, okay? Not like your work crush. Lord knows I love to have them. They make life really fun at work. She said that's the only way I get through this nine to five. No, for real. I'm like, I wasn't meant to be a nine to five girly, but I'm like. Actually, nobody was. When you really think about it, nobody was. Mm -hmm. And work a 12 to five. I could do a 12 to 5. I could do a 12 to 5, you know, eat lunch before then. Honestly, I could even do, like, an 8 to 2, maybe. Mm, that's too early. Okay. Um, but wh- what do you, okay. how do you think it's affected you? So, like we said before, I'm more of, like, the mediator type of kid. So, because of that, I feel like my job, and it wasn't even on purpose, was to not alter any of my parents emotions in any way so and i i feel like in that way i was the mediator so i wouldn't do anything that would like or i would try not to do anything that would alter their emotions so that they wouldn't go fucking insane (laughs) basically (laughs) but then now because and i mean i don't know if my roommate is gonna listen to this or not but like um so she's someone who's very good at confrontation like oh she'll yeah do i it. love her i feel like that's why i like her so much because i she is so I good really at it but me on the other hand i am not good at confrontation at all i cannot confront anyone i find that very hard yeah. because of the fact that i was raised that way so it's like okay well we live together to so not my up, job to in this house up. is to not speak up so that we can keep the peace mm-hmm. because then also And I'm not saying that this is her. Obviously, I don't think it's her. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, well, if I speak up, well, then maybe her, she's going to get really, like, Mm -hmm. altered. Like, her emotions are going to go crazy. You're going to affect her in some way. I'm going to affect her in some way. So I'm not going to say it because I don't want her to do that because I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, like, the same thing with my parents. I would try not to say anything that would piss them off or... People-pleasing. Like, basically people-pleasing because I'm like... Well, this is how they reacted. So I kind of, in my head, I'm like, I expect everyone else to react that way, which isn't true. Because I'm like, even my roommate has told yes. me, she's like, please, like, if there's something that bothers you, yes. let me know. I feel like you tiptoed around a lot more than I did because that just wasn't my personality. But you, like, being the oldest sibling, it was kind of, like, put on you. like, Because I think also, then the other thing that adds to that is being the Im- the only immigrant child. Mm-hmm. So... They had the expectations of me being an immigrant, but also still succeeding as an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Like always so, behaving. Always behaving well and like responding to authority, basically, which was mostly their authority. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These bitches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was mostly responding to their authority. So it's like, 
Yeah, a lot of that just made me be be very, like, people-pleasing and yeah. very non-confrontational because it's, like, I... The only way that the peace was kept at this home was when my parents' emotions would not get altered. So it's, like, well, why the hell would I want to do that now that I don't live with them? Yeah. Why would I want to ruin that peace yeah. in my own home? Yeah, and that's why... um what I was about to say or in my own relationship like outside of it um, growing up with emotionally immature parents is that it can kind of like I saw a tweet about this of how it's projection at the end of the day like what you just talked about it's projection because you had these experiences with your parents and this this is how they reacted when you spoke up and said hey this doesn't really make me feel comfortable yeah. and you take that and you apply it to everything and everyone else and so you're like well if I say like that I don't necessarily like how I'm being treated to this person or I don't necessarily like this person's actions, like, then things are going to go bad. I'm well, going to upset that. And then them also they're going to be like, oh, well, then that makes me a shitty parent, huh? Mm-hmm. It's like instead of admitting that, like, hey, what you're doing is wrong, they try to turn it back around on you and make you feel guilty for even saying it in the first place because now they're like, oh, well, I guess I'm a shitty parent. Yeah. It's like you're not maybe a shitty parent you're just doing shitty things yeah and that's what i'm saying like in turn like when you apply that way of thinking of like well when i would do this when i was younger it made them mad like when i would speak up when i was younger it made them mad so i'm not going to speak up to anybody now because i don't want to upset anybody like either make them feel bad about themselves or just make them angry at me and in turn like that is literally projecting because that's not how the other person's going to feel i mean it might depending on who you're dealing with but like 99 percent of the time like uh, yeah you, you've chosen good people to be in your life and i don't think that they would respond that way and but anyway so going back to confrontation and confidence is that sometimes i don't see myself as like it sounds sad <laughs> and it is but it's like i don't see myself as like someone so say like i confront someone and it's like they probably won't even get that mad over it but me in my head i'm like but what if I'm not good enough for them to keep around? Mm. So then they're going to like see that confrontation as a bad thing and they'll, they'll just leave. It's like, and she's not even worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sad, but it's like because of all of that put together is how I see it. Where I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, what if they don't see me as good enough and they're just going to leave? Yeah. Which is also why I struggle with also like romantic relationships. But I mean, that's like a whole other thing. But relationships with anyone in general are that's kind of how i see them and i should stop but i mean there is therapy is expensive and i don't have papers yeah <laughs> yeah she she'd be traumatized so please allow room for that yeah please allow, yeah and it you saying she'd be traumatized so please allow room for that it um kind of brings me to my to like how it's affected me and like kind of what you were saying earlier about um your biggest fear with like any relationship at all whether that be like work authority figures or like friends or like romantic partners is like your trauma and you trying to get through that and heal that potentially affecting like potentially ending the friendship or the relationship or like you you get fired you because like they don't have them anymore it's like what if they don't have the patience for it yes and yeah so like we said before, Leslie and I are never really been super affectionate to each other because, like, I mean, for several reasons that we won't get into. But long story short, we were pinned against each other when we were younger um, in ways that, like, she would get compared to me and I would get compared to her. 
that and also i feel like the reason i'm not as affectionate was like just in general i don't think i'm the most affectionate person but then i think it's also because so my parents especially my dad he was a little more affectionate but then i never saw it as sincere no because it's like because of like all the shit that he would do to me so i would never see it as sincere so now i'm like well if i show someone affection is it gonna be that sincere is it gonna be that way huh i never saw it that way that's interesting yeah it's like well, now if I show affection, will they think of it as sincere or not? That's Which, like, They probably will, but in my head, I'm like, damn, they might not see it as sincere, so I'm just not going to do it at all. <laughs> see, I <laughs> never thought of it that way. And that's what I'm saying, like, that we had the same experiences, but we got different experiences out of it. Like a different sense. outcome. Yeah. Um, and so, like, bringing it back to what I was saying um, of Leslie talking about, like, her biggest fear being, like, you know, this is gonna, if I speak up about what makes me uncomfortable, and if I let, almost, like, if I let myself be seen too much, is kind of what I'm gathering from you, is that, like, the worst case scenario would be that I would get fired, or I would get an opportunity taken away from me, or they would stop being friends with me, or they would break up with me, to where, like I said, Leslie and I have never really been super affectionate towards each other, um, because, you know, Leslie kind of struggles with that, which is okay, um, we all have different experiences, but different ways that we deal with things, you know, um, something happened this weekend, not this weekend, this week, um, and it, the thing in itself didn't necessarily affect me that much in a sense of, like, hurt my feelings, but it was, like, my biggest, um, fear had played out, if that makes sense of, um, I, how do I say this with, like, being super discreet? I was, somebody let me go because they can't deal with my sensitivity. I don't know. Well, okay, so the way that I see it, Leslie's being an older sister, love her, um, trying to, you know, defend me, but whatever. Um, the way that I see it was, so I was talking to someone and I think if you are of my demographic of 20 years old you know what talking to someone means like you're getting to know them whatever um and last week I had really projected onto them and I recognize that and I apologize for it I projected onto them um I think I I mean I've been therapy for a while so this past year has been really a very life-changing year to where I learned how to communicate um and I also learned how to regulate my feelings a lot better to where because I know how to communicate, I'm not just going to like spew shit out as soon as I'm feeling it. I'm going to take the time to sit with it and really think, is this rational? Is this valid? Is this, you know, what whatnot? Um, and last weekend, I had projected onto this person because I, I, act, I acted out of a really dysregulated state of mind. I did not take the time to regulate my emotions. And in turn, I projected onto this person. Um, and that was part of the reason why things didn't work out with us. Um, I'm not going to say what the other reasons were because like, that's personal to the other person. And I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, so that was part of it. You know, when I had asked like, you know, did what happened last week of me projecting onto you? Did that play a role in it? And the other person said yes. And like I was telling my sister, it wasn't so much of the fact that like 
what happened but it was more so the reason that happened the fact of like knowing that me having projected this time this one time you having like one low moment basically yeah um like played a part in that it kind of like like I said Leslie and I aren't super affectionate but like I remember driving home and I was like I have to call Leslie like I know that it'll be hard for her because she's not super affectionate she isn't necessarily like talking about things like this but in my mind I'm like there's no one else in this world I mean there is but like that's going to understand like exactly how I feel and um I think that is a fear and that's like one way that it affects relationships of like how you were saying of you don't you might not want to communicate when something doesn't sit right with you because um they might feel like a bad person about them they might feel about bad about themselves or they get angry with me or worst case scenario like they, they don't want me in their life anymore type yeah. of deal which it's like if they can't even deal with something like that it's like okay they probably shouldn't be in it in the in the first place and it's like it's mm-hmm. probably better that i find out now no. instead of later i think that that's one of the ways that it affected it affected me in my adult relationship is that I used to be a hardcore people pleaser. I didn't know how to communicate. I would just keep, I would want to keep the peace basically and not in a way that was actually keeping the peace. I would, I would just not want to, I don't even know, like not change how things were going by speaking up about how I felt. But also because I didn't know how to communicate at one point and because I didn't necessarily know how to regulate my feelings to where I do know now, but you know, sometimes there are triggers that, you know, make me have a human experience and make me project, you know, every once in a blue moon. Cause like I've been, I've gotten really good about that anyways. But, um, I think it's also in turn made me have a lot of compassion for people. Like when I meet someone else who might not have the best like communication skills or might not be the best at this or that, right? I'm willing to be patient and have that compassion for them that other people had for me this past year. But how how being how being parentified has affected me is that at one point in time I was a people pleaser. Um at one point in time I didn't know how to communicate. And I think I don't know, I think now to the better side of it, you know, thinking about positives here. I have a lot of compassion for people, like a lot of compassion and a lot of patience because that's something that we never got. We never got patience. We never got compassion as kids because we weren't seen as kids. So yeah, I think it's affected us in like similar, but also different ways to where I didn't see like, you know, with Leslie being like, you know, my dad would show affection, but I didn't think it was genuine because of how poorly he treated us. I would have never seen it that way of, you being like now that's the reason that I don't necessarily am that why I'm not necessarily like verbally affectionate or affection in general because if I like compliment someone or if I say something you know if I compliment someone or if I show affection in any other way like are they even gonna know it's genuine to where like you question it because you never thought that my dad's affection was genuine well then I think that's the other thing where you were saying having patience for people because then in like maybe a bad way having too much patience for people oh yeah it's like now you're you allow yourself you're allowing yourself to keep these shitty people in your life to be disrespected yeah and who are disrespecting you and i have a perfect example of that but i'm not gonna say it right now but it's like you're allowing these people to disrespect you 
because of course you're like well i want to give them like the benefit of the, the benefit of the doubt and i want to have patience with them but and give them that room to grow but it's get? like but how much like how much is enough mm-hmm. and it's like okay well now i'm keeping all these shitty people in my not in my life that i shouldn't have around yeah i i guess not that i have a lot but i didn't think of it that way but yeah i think that you did it just kind of like unlocked something for me that that is another way that being parentified as a kid like has affected me to where i have compassion and patience for, for people but at the same time i think sometimes it's a little too much to where you know but i think it's because it's like bro i didn't even get a fucking sprinkle of, of compassion, compassion. Mm-hmm. so it's like now to other people i'm like giving them a whole fucking too much compassion no yeah. not, i don't know if there's too much compassion but like to where the compassion and the patience and the empathy crosses a line of allowing yourself to be disrespected yeah because i'm nowadays you know i think i'm really big at like accepting people for where they're at right now and if that means that i need to be at a distance then that's okay and that if that you know vice versa of like if people you know for whatever reason feel like they have to accept me where i'm at and that means distancing themselves from me then i have to understand that then i have to respect that but I don't know. Like I said, I think that when you were talking earlier about um, just relationships in general of where the good thing that the good, you know, one of the positives, because there's many positives, you know, even though it's a grim topic, but there's many positives to it. And one of those is just like the compassion and the patience that I have for people. And I think that this experience that I had this week kind of reminded me that I want people in my life who have that compassion and empathy for me. And not everyone is going to, which is totally fine. I think it has to do with also like how much they care about you. Because if someone doesn't care about you, then they're probably not going to have a lot of compassion for you. You know, like if it's like a, if it's like a stranger, you're probably not going to have a lot of compassion for them, which makes sense because you don't really know them. Um, But yeah, in, in turn, like I think being parentified and growing up the way that we have, where we were basically raising our parents and Lusty was raising me and I was raising my younger brother. Um, it's, I think you could definitely agree that it's taught us what we want and what we don't want. And we also know that there are still things that we have to figure out that we want and that we don't want. So kind of just like recap, um, you know, what we talked about today of parentification being when the roles are reversed between parent and child and the child acts like the parent um, and the experiences that we had where, you know, a lot of them, a lot of it, our parentification came from simply being children of immigrants or immigrants ourselves and having to translate for parents because of a language barrier and the way that it's affected us. I want to wrap this up with this thing of, um, not that he would ever listen to it, but I, I'm, I'm a journalist. If you follow my ins- the podcast Instagram, you would know I'm a journalist. And I had this really cool experience where I got to meet Sean Astin, and he talked about his mom and, you know, how it was kind of like tumultuous childhood for him because his mom suffered from bipolar disorder. And so she was a little, she was emotionally abusive at times. Um, but then, you know, when her mom got diagnosed with it, when she finally got diagnosed with it and could put like a name to the way that she was, the way she was and all of her behaviors, she was able to be a mental health advocate for it. And 
what he said about his mom being able to be a mental health advocate after she had dealt with her own mental health issues. He said it was almost like she had to pay this awful, weird price. Like it was, it was almost like her bipolar disorder, like her terrible experiences were like this weird, awful price she had to pay to be an advocate for it. And it's, that's how I view this of like, yes, we're talking, you know, parentification is a very bad thing. It's a negative topic. But for us, you know, there's been negatives that have come through that that we are working through, but there's also been positives of like, and things to look forward to, to where I feel like our tumultuous childhood of having to be parents to our parents and to our younger siblings um, was like a weird, awful price to pay for this position that we're in now to where we are committed to breaking the generational parenting patterns and breaking generational trauma to where, you know, nobody did it for me, but it's going to start with me. So my kids and their kids and so on and so forth can have secure lives. Because I think, I mean, it also gives me the optimism that it's like, you know what? It was like this for my parents and it was like that for us at the beginning, but it doesn't have to end this way. Yeah. It yeah. It's like... I'm choosing, I feel like I'm choosing for the most part the right people in my life that it's like, it's not going to be like this for me, at least not forever. Yeah. It's going to end at one point. Not end, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I see my future with like a better outlook. Yeah. So, yeah. So to end this episode, what advice would you give to others who are trying to heal from a stolen childhood, you know, from parentification, from being parentified? And, you know, who are trying to heal their inner child. Um, This is an example of do as I say, not as I do. But I do have my reasoning behind it. And that's because I don't have papers. I can't go to therapy. But go to therapy, please. Like, Mm -hmm. go to therapy and also try to find the right people. Yes. That it's like, so like for me, since I don't go to therapy, I have had to find the right people that like, that I can confide in. Yeah. So it's like. It's not all the work that I have to do, but it helps. Yes. So if you have stuck around this long enough, um, thank you for kind of getting to know me a little bit more on a more personal level. And I wanted to do this episode so listeners could kind of understand why the podcast is set up in this way of, you know, I try to start it out with what do you think of when you hear this? Because everybody has different interpretations of everything. And I want to genuinely know, like, what do you think of when you hear this? With that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and be sure to tune in next Tuesday for another episode of The Ethical Slut. Listen to The Ethical Slut wherever you get your podcasts.